Hello, good afternoon. This is Rachel Treese, CEO of FTS Global, and we are recording a very special edition of Flex in the City from around the globe. And today with me on Flex in the City, I have Jim Fitzpatrick, who is the president and CEO of Nixa. I have Dan Houlihan, who is the EVP and head of asset services at Northern Trust, and is also the chairman of the Nixa board. Nicholas Merkel, the CEO of Luxembourg for Finance. And last but definitely not least, we have Paul O'Neill, Independent Director of Insigma Hengjun. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome, first of all, Jim. Thank you. Great to be here. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Welcome, Nicholas. Hi there. And welcome, Paul. Hello, Rachel. Great to have you all here. It is obviously unprecedented times at the moment and so we want to make sure that we we are giving a message to the financial services industry and i'd really like to ask a few questions of you all so my first question is for jim and paul um both of you actually lived through the 911 crisis i understand in financial services and i'm, I'm really curious to know in in that crisis time when you were both managing operations. What did you learn from this time about how leaders need to show up? First to Jim. Thanks, Rachel. Um, certainly a terrible day in, in our country's history, but the, the two takeaways from my perspective is one, that it was really important for leaders to be visible and to communicate regularly with the employees um, at, at all different levels. People don't necessarily expect you have all the answers, but what is very helpful all the time is to communicate frequently so they understand uh, what your vision is, how you're assessing and handling situations, and what the plan is moving forward. Um, I, I think the second element to that is uh, that you need to make sure that your employees and the staff know that you're also concerned about their well-being. Um, if, if they're comfortable, I think, in those two regards, they'll be able to perform for you um, in the crisis situation with a lot more confidence. Absolutely. And, and Paul, anything else to add to that? Well, Jim's explanation is uh, pretty complete because I would say the, the most important thing is communication. It's no different today than it is back than it was back then. And regular communication, uh, making sure that people, everyone is engaged, everybody's marching in the same direction, and everybody has a place to escalate whatever issues on a regular basis. And I'm curious to know, what did you both learn as leaders from that particular crisis? Well, I'll take a, a, a swing at that a bit. You know, one of the things that I learned is that many things will change because crisis brings uh, anxiety, it brings concern, but it also brings opportunity. And that what you find is, is that people get very creative in solving problems. And if you look out into the future, that you can find uh, opportunities to improve your operations, improve your communications. Um, and, and I would even go so far as to say examples today that we're seeing are people uh, doing telehealth, you know, is one of the things that I've been paying particular attention to during the crisis. 
And I think coming out of this, the whole health industry is going to move towards telehealth solutions because people are becoming very comfortable engaging like we are right now. And instead of going in and uh, into an office where there mm. could be some contagion. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. So I'm going to move on to Dan, um, because Dan, you're actually in the thick of it right now. You are managing a global financial services operation. So, so what, what are the challenges that you personally are experiencing now as you're running that? Yeah, it, uh, it's a good question. I would agree with, with both Jim and, and Paul on the communication piece. That's obviously key. Um, but we, we've got, in our business, we've got 20,000 people around the world in, I think, 30 different countries. And so the biggest challenge really has been enabling uh, roughly 90, 95% of our workforce to actually work from home and then get into a mode, uh, a mode of governing and communicating that's obviously very different from what we've historically been doing with people in the office. Um, and so we're, I'm, I've been very impressed and, and proud that we've been able to keep, keep things running. Um, we we obviously serve as an important part of the daily sort of execution of the financial mm -hmm. system and in terms of pricing mutual funds and moving cash and settling trades. So um, very important that we we continue on this path. But one of one of the interesting things, just from a leadership standpoint, that I've found and it's it's been somewhat humbling, is the first port of call for us has obviously been the health and welfare of our partners around the world and our clients, and that's just a different way of thinking from the day to day of you know making money, et cetera. Um, and as a leader, you know, are we doing the right things, uh, not from a financial perspective, but are we doing the right things for our teams to look after their health and well-being from a physical perspective, but also their health and well-being from a, from a financial perspective. So um, for me, super humbling to really, you know, be able to focus on who the real important people are in our company right now. And it's, it's the folks that are doing the work. Absolutely. And, and have you had to adapt your leadership style in this time of crisis? Yeah, I have actually. And that, that's been interesting too, because, you know, it, it's easy to fall into the trap of wanting to get into the mode of command and control. Uh, and with such a large organization, that's actually the wrong thing to do in the sense mm -hmm. that we've got really smart, capable people around the world. So really my function now is to enable them and ensure that they have the tools and the capacity uh, to get the work done, given that they're the experts. So, um, so really, it's it's actually staying out of the way, but constantly evaluating what else can I do as a leader to empower people, whether that's getting people laptops for home or monitors. So, um, yeah, very, very, very different uh, approach in a in a crisis like this. Absolutely. So you're really operating more as a as a leader, as a coach, or a leader as a supportive yeah. leader. Um, great. Yeah. So I'd now like to move on to Europe and to Nicola. Um, Nicola, I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with me that the world is going to emerge post-crisis into a totally different animal. And, and so what leadership do you think is going to be required in this time of uncertainty and ambiguity? Well, I think we definitely would agree, all of us, that we are going through unprecedented times. Um, what is happening uh, here in the world is something that we have in our lifetimes never seen. Um, we are currently in a tunnel because nobody can really know where we will emerge, what the changes will be that this crisis will bring about. But I think what everybody is looking for is certain um, leadership 
qualities. And the first, I think they have all been mentioned. The first one would be uh, empathy, may, meaning that leaders should reassure people. People are currently being um, very uncertain, not to say anguish. And what they want is somebody to give them a sense of reassurance. The second is um, honesty. I think everybody is is capable of taking the truth, um, as has been said, even if we don't know exactly what is happening, at least let's be honest with uh, our people. And the, th the third is really a sense of direction. Doesn't need to be the clear solution, but at least show that you know where you're going. You know what you have to do. You don't know where it will lead you, but you know what it is you need to do in order to get someplace. And these, I think, are the qualities that everybody is uh, yearning for for the moment. But ultimately, yes, it is true, the world will be a different place. I don't know and I don't think it will be totally different. There will be many of the uh, things we've been struggling with a month ago that will still be there. Uh, don't you worry that climate change will still be uh, high on the agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, regulation will still be high on the agenda for the financial services industry. But definitely many other things will have changed. Some for good, some not so good. Um, but uh, we will have to see, we will have to assess this as we go forward. It's really a process. Mm. And what's your biggest prediction? You have one. Um, and, and complete acceleration of the whole digitalization uh, phenomenon. I think mm. uh, it has been mentioned by uh, the others, uh, everything around uh, teleworking, telehealth, um, mm. Uh, communications in a different way is something that will have been completely boosted uh, by this because I myself had never used such video conferencing uh, tools as, as Zoom or WebEx or any of the others and they're actually quite convenient I must say I've been uh, <laughs> traveling um, extensively over the last years and I mean there's probably a lot that can be done via this rather than uh, accumulating uh, jet lag. Absolutely. So I, talking about jet lag, I'm now going to move right back to the USA again to you, Jim. And I'd like to ask you what you think is going to help make the financial services industry sustainable. Well, I think one of the things um, that's going to be very important moving forward, and many organizations have focused on it today, is diversity. Uh, you know, I think organizations need to reflect the constituents that they serve and the clients that they serve, um, the employee base that they have. Uh, and, you know, we see a growing trend, not only in the U.S., but around the world with regard to the diversity. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be part of the Diversity Project North America uh, that we launched as a follow-on to our colleagues in the U.K. who launched the original Diversity Project. Uh, and we're trying to expand that effort within the asset management community in North America, uh, which I think will, will help, uh, help the industry be sustainable uh, and better for everybody in the years ahead. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And so moving to, to Asia Pacific, Paul, you're working um, a lot with Asia Pacific and in particular with, with China. Um, 
has there been a different way in which the the Chinese have reacted to this crisis and has your own leadership style needed to to adapt to those different cultural differences um, well I I find it very interesting uh, uh, but I'm not surprised that the Chinese approach their approach to uh, solving this crisis uh, came in a rather draconian way, or at least that was the perception by the rest mm. of the world that they took as as, uh, as quick steps as they did early on, but they're proving to be quite efficient. And culturally, they can be very efficient. But, you know, we're seeing lots of things come out of there, a lot of opportunity, because, you know, I, go, I regularly visit Hangzhou, China, and that's where Alibaba is in a number of the, uh, the new tech uh, uh, businesses are being generated from now. And e even in, in this quick time, uh, one of the uh, startups over there has brought out a pair of glasses that are virtual that can actually look into an audience of people and measure their temperatures from the glasses. So security guards can, can, in a matter of one minute, can look at as many as 700 people and see if anyone has a temperature there. And, and that actually is even, can feed back into a virtual database and they can identify the individual. It's fascinating, like, wow. you know, what's coming out of there. Wow, and the leadership style, is it different? No, no, it's not. No, the, the leaders, the, I work with the university over there, the Zhang University, as a partner in, a, in the joint venture with State Street. And, uh, you know, they're a very uh, compassionate, very intelligent group of uh, individuals. Uh, first and foremost, it's about the uh, health and welfare of the staff. Fortunately, in our organization, we've got 2,000 people and not one of them got any uh, was involved in the in the virus and but that i get updates from them three times a day but that first and foremost is is their concern i also have to say being a technology company we're very connected everyone's able to work from home so 80 percent of the staff are back in the office 20 percent of them are home but they're only home because they're taking care of uh, elderly parents or right. children right. Right. Very good. So I'm going to move over to you, Dan, if I may, um, and ask you sure. what kind of skills do you think will be needed by financial services companies in the next five years? Yeah, I, I, I don't think, um, well, let me take the virus situation first. I, I don't think that this crisis fundamentally changes the skill sets going forward, other than perhaps uh, corporations having medical staff uh, on, on the payroll and on hand. Um, I, I think, you know, as, as, as I think about how the next five years unfolds, there's a couple of big trends. Obviously, there's, a, there's the, um, the growth of the millennial workforce, for example. So I can tell you that 75% of the people that we hired last year around the world, which is probably over 1,000 people, were millennials. And we've got five generations of workforce. So we have to think about the nature of work and how we organize work and the tools that we give people um, to be sustainable in the future. But I think that the, the hard skills will, will likely be um, certainly data science, uh, skills around artificial intelligence. I think behavioral science uh, yeah. certainly 
is is an emerging trend, particularly on the portfolio management side, uh, but also on the on the consumer side. Um, certainly, tech skills around the cloud, cybersecurity, um, and so I, I do think you're going to see uh, more and more sort of emergence of, of more nascent technologies, and, and certainly the pace we fully expect will continue uh, to accelerate as we go forward. So finding those those, those skill sets are really important, particularly as, um, you know, as senior leaders, what's really important is that we uh, bring that new capability into the organization, uh, and, and generally speaking, they're a younger generation, but it's important to give them a seat at the table so that they can, you know, help to educate us not only on what's possible, but, you know, how do we set our strategy and, and have an environment that's going to be suitable for the next generation of workforce. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dan. And, and, and Nicola, what role do you think leaders have in terms of reboot building, not only the assets, but also confidence in financial services going forward? Well, you know, I mean, in the aftermath of uh, the global financial crisis of 2008-2009, the uh, financial services industry lost a lot of uh, credibility at the time it was really the problem because the problem the crisis actually emerged from the financial services industry in the in this case i think what has what is becoming very clear is that the financial services industry is not the problem it is part of the solution uh, it is there to help small businesses uh, to bridge the crisis uh, by extending their loans and, and so forth, uh, continuing investments and all that. And I think leaders have to understand, If you, by leaders you mean uh, political leaders, but also uh, corporate leaders have to understand that here financial services is part of the solution and is there to help us mitigate the effects of this crisis. I think one other thing that we also have to understand, which is extremely important, is contrary to the fact that many tend to have as a reaction to this crisis to raise the drawbridges, uh, and countries do things on their own, go uh, say, um, uh, look after themselves. What we really will have to do the, the moment this is uh, over uh, is to come together again as an international mm -hmm. community because this is a global crisis and we need global solutions to tackle yeah. it and to tackle the next editions of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Um, back to you, Dan. There are many good things that this crisis might have taught us. What opportunities do you see to make financial services better as a result of it? So, so I know that, that Jim and Paul share the same passion about this as I do. So I, I hope that uh, one of the good things that's come of, uh, that will come of this is, is more humanization of this industry. And by that, I mean, this industry is, is obviously large. Um, it's, it's a critical, critical industry in terms of the financial system. But at the end of the day, this is about the, the, the health and financial well-being of individuals. Even though we're all running commercial enterprises, uh, trying to drive profitable growth, even if I'm supporting an institutional uh, investment manager, at the end of the day, they're investing money on the behalf of retirees. And, and that is a very human thing. It's a very important thing. It's a critical mm -hmm. thing. And, and I think and I hope that more and more firms will continue to make that connection. And I think those that do that well, uh, frankly, will have an advantage over, over others. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, and, and we do a lot as an industry to give back. So I'm not suggesting it's it's not there, but we can always do more. Uh, so I, I just hope that this um, this is this is a check for everybody to make sure we keep perspective on on why we're all doing this, who it really benefits, yeah. and uh, keep that going. You're certainly speaking my language, Dan. That's for sure. And so I'm going to conclude this podcast today by asking. Jim, I, I learned today that you are a certified coach as well as having been a great leader in financial services. So I'd like to ask you if you were offering some wisdom to a financial services leader that's listening to this podcast today, what is the wisdom that you would like to share with those leaders? You know, I, I think that would be that organizations and individuals are resilient. Right. We, we certainly saw that you're referencing back to, you know, the, the tragedy of 9-11. Uh, but I think you see that happening now through the COVID-19 crisis around the world. Um, you know, I see it. I see it with staff at Nixa. I see it with industry participants working together to try to solve challenges that we all face. I see it in the community that I live in, right, that, that people are trying to figure out how to get through this together. Um, I think everybody hopes, but I, I think we all know inside that, you know, we're going to come out better on the other side. Uh, it might be a painful experience. It might be a difficult experience. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, people around the world will be resilient uh, and that, you know, they can lean on that as they work through the, this crisis uh, internally. And uh, we obviously hope to come out better on the other side. That's great. Thank you so much. So I'd like to give great thanks to, to Nicola, to Dan, to Paul and to Jim for being with us on this global COVID-19 special of Flex in the City. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.